0: Welcome to the Mighty Dragon. Today's guest is actor John Busey. He plays Roger in the new series of Frasier. Like Frasier, John is a Boston native, but has set up home in Los Angeles to build his acting career. It was a great time to catch up with John as he navigates his way in the new Hollywood. Oh, thank you for thank you for joining me here. Um, I've got a few questions for you about your acting career and also about Fraser and all of those things. Mm. Um, first of all, what drew you to acting as a career?
1: Well, I, you know, it was kind of the first thing I ever wanted to do. So it wasn't so much as like a path I took as much as I didn't take any other path. That was kind of the first thing I ever wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I was just glued to the TV as a kid, and just always wanted to be on the TV. And you know, I got home videos saying I wanted to be a movie star, and, shit. and so you know, and a lot of kids say that, but something for some reason, I was just you know emboldened enough to keep going. I you know, I just started doing theater as soon as I could, and my parents were supportive. My mom uh, lived in life for a brief stint, so she was kind of less skeptical of the idea of an acting career than some parents might might have been, um, and she helped me uh find an agent in like middle school and so I booked a couple random things in high school and it just always felt very possible to me. Obviously, you know, people gave me horror stories the whole time of of don't do this. Yeah. But um <laughs> you know, I, I got a very good piece of advice from a, a, a really great theater director, Francesca James, early on in my career, said if you can do anything else and be happy, <clears throat> do it. Uh right. and I and I just I I knew I was like I this is really the only thing I can see myself doing. And I, now I know why she said that, but that that doesn't stop me now. I mean, right. short, long story short, it's... I just love, yeah, just love performing, entertaining, and love, you know, TV and film myself as a consumer. So to be a part of that medium and, you know, be able to impact that. And I love theater, I love film, and just love storytelling. So, end of sentence.
0: Right. Um... We know you as Roger in Fraser. Can you tell me a bit how you got that part, and what do you like about that character?
1: Yeah, so that was the result of my awesome reps—my agent Jillian Neal or my manager Jillian Neal and my agent Melissa Burger Brennan uh, with CESD. And basically, I, I just taped for it. I, I, I kind of got out for a couple of CBS things, and they liked it. Sent it to producer. It, it was a pretty you know open and shut case. It was just that that cold open, and I you know reddit is pretty okay this is a job you know big dumb jock to a certain extent Not, it's like i can play that i go for a yeah. couple of those yeah and what do i like about my, i mean he's just you know part of roger lives in me i want to say of just you know just a giant golden retriever and super easy to just have <laughs> you you know in comedy you kind of have there's either there's a crazy person the straight man and then there's like the lover and the hater to a certain extent and roger's very much like the love the lover in that scene of just like the heart being shut down heart again being shut and so and that's always a fun thing to play of just like the you know bright-eyed bushy-tailedness
0: yeah can you share any like funny behind the scene moments for you on set
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there were a There's a couple. You know, there was me and Kevin Daniels, who plays Tiny, playing chess on the actual chess set in the thing, you know, at all times, and, and probably when we shouldn't be. There was, well, you know, this was my first time doing multicam comedy. Uh, and so I didn't know, you know, there's this whole table read and then there's the rehearsals and then yeah. there's the blocking. It's very theatrical as opposed to most films, you just get there, do the, do the lines and go home. Yeah. And so that was very fun, yeah. uh, especially coming from a theater background. And of course, you know, oh, I start out with a certain amount of lines and then they do rewrites every time. And then I come in one day and they'd taken away one of my lines. And I was like, you know, it's my fault. Like, it's all about me. <laughs> you know, like obviously it's a complete result of my reading and nothing to do with like the writers wanting to change yeah. the writing. Yeah, it's all about me basically you know I'm I'm kind of a little like you mm, oh, know that day and then yeah. a couple hours later my agents say they want to bring me back and throw me an episode four uh for like a reshoots and I was like oh okay
0: right. maybe
1: I'm not yeah maybe <laughs> maybe I'm reading too <laughs> into things um
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> that, yeah and so that that, that was great that they you know didn't hate me enough to bring me back another thing throw me in the classroom um and then I don't even know if I should be admitting this last part but there was a a segment on the actual taping night I was just so excited my friends were there I was hanging out with um you know Kevin Daniels and he's oh I'm forgetting his name but he another lovely guy and he you know we're just outside they got like the food truck outside we're kind of smoking we're hanging out I had already done my cold open so I'm like I'm off the clock of course yeah. I forget that I'm in the other even though in the actual shooting you can't even see me in it, but there's another classroom scene where I'm just supposed to be in and then exit and of course, I'm out there eating some like loaded fries or whatever. And they're like, where's John? Where's John? I'm like, oh, shit. like it was just a very, you know, th- throw the fries, run to set, you know, get in there. Yeah. And I'm like, Kelsey wasn't yeah. waiting, was he? You're like, no, Kelsey wasn't. All right, thank God. <laughs> as long as I was here before Kelsey. Yeah. But uh, oh. that that was just kind of a getting back into the theater swing of things uh, where it's like you got to be on your mark at the certain time as opposed to the filming. Like, you know, there's no, you're not going to miss it. But uh, that, that was a, a lump in my yeah. throat for a sec there
0: oh my gosh talking about kelsey what's it like working with him what do you learn from someone like kelsey Grammer? well
1: kelsey and nicholas hurst i i both found yeah he uh, plays alan i had never knew who nicholas was before but I, I really found him to be quite impressive in his comedic jobs but just any old pro like that who has just yes. done it so long and they've done multi-cams their whole life and it's just their bread and butter there's just a certain ease to it and As a a young comedian, there is, well, a young actor, a young actor who does comedy, there is a certain inclination to go big, to feel like you're not doing enough, to feel like i got to fill this space with something funny, high energy, you know, like Chris Farley, Jack Black, like get in there, at least for me personally. yeah. And watching them, who just have such an ease with it, and just understand that the The text is good enough on its own, if you play it right, if you play, and uh, you know, they have a lot of like deadpan monotone stuff, so it kind of works with that. But there is a certain Mm. ease that once you've been trying to make people laugh for so long, maybe it's just an expectation that the audience already thinks you're funny, but, and maybe it's just confidence, but I'm always impressed by the ability to do less and kind of get more out of it. Whereas whereas I'm feeling like I'm pushing sometimes to try and to elicit that result.
0: Right, right. Um, I think Nicholas has such a long career in British television. Yeah. How do you prepare for a new character and immerse yourself in that role?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of two questions because, uh, the, you know, Yeah. Your first idea is just what you get when you get the script for the audition. And then when you're lucky enough to book it, then there's a second series of homework that goes into it. Um, And so with auditioning, you really don't know what they want ever. So it's like, do I go with my first thought or my second thought or my third thought? How many takes do I give them? Do I, you know, am I trying to fit the role? Am I trying to subvert the role? Am I trying to be bold? Am I trying to be, you know low and cool and easy and it doesn't even matter like off yeah. The cuff. yeah um so there's a lot that goes into that and it's a lot of just like on the day how i feel how i read it at that certain point and there's no point in trying to figure out what they want anyway because the casting directors often don't know what they want to a lot uh, yeah a lot of time so a lot of times you just got to go with your gut and then that's kind of the jumping off point for when you do get the role um and again it kind of depends on the role um i'm a big journaler when I know I have a role that has some, um, some girth to it. I didn't feel the need to journal with Roger. Uh, he was a pretty, you know, off the chest feel like I know who this yeah. guy is. Um, yeah. but yeah, well, and again, with single cam versus multicam, it's, it's, I find it worlds apart cause multicam, it's all about the script. Um, the right. jokes are built in. Like you just have to find them Um, just like it's bang, joke, bang, joke, bang. So like everything can be mined for comedy. It's all in the script and the script is king. There's no ad lib. So you're not like you have to find what you need to find within the script. Whereas with a lot of single cam, I find that the script is not as king. Um, It's not as paramount, especially if it's a writer director. They're willing to kind of work with you and um, give you, you know, the freedom to use your own language to a lot of uh, to an extent um and so when it comes to more of like where the character has more of an arc then I feel the need to kind of figure out who this guy is give him some more history do some more journaling kind of figure out x y and z um and you know a lot of it has to come from like conversations with director I mean I didn't have any conversation with Kelsey about Roger but uh, on other projects um a lot of it is kind of so you know wondering what the writer's perspective was going into this as opposed to my take because sometimes it's exactly what they wanted sometimes it's completely different you know I I did a a horror film with Andy Fickman where I auditioned three times over the course of a month for this one role didn't get the role and then he hires me for another uh main Ah. role which I never auditioned for and so I'm kind of going (laughs) into it like I don't know what you want from me. Cause I've never even read these lines before. Now I'm flying to New oh, York. So I, I'm like,
0: exactly.
1: Right, it's, it's, I literally texted him. I was like, yeah. why did you cast me? And he's like, he got the look. There was obviously
0: something there. There was clearly, something right? there. So, they...
1: so it's really case by case of like, who wrote it yeah. with what intention, you know, and, and other parts where I am kind of the subversive pick. Um, and I, i'm i'm very different from what they imagined the role to be um and then it's yeah. kind of like finding that on my own so it really just comes on like the, on the day uh i feel every time i send an audition you know a lot of times i'm like oh that was a cool choice oh that was terrible blah 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 blah, blah. you never know yeah you never yes. know how they feel about it
0: what challenges that you've faced in your career and how did you overcome them well
1: um <laughs> i won't just like you know blatantly say all the obvious challenges that come with being an actor of there's you know a million of us and a thousand of us are talented yes of us get to work but like i guess you know for for me personally i moved i went to emerson college in boston and i graduated in 2020 and i moved straight to la uh during the pandemic uh, yeah (laughs) so that was a little of a, a soft start that was the first obstacle yes. <laughs> um everything was shut down no one was you know hiring casting blah 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 and it was just kind of a slow start to la and luckily i mean you know managed to get reps managed to get some work and, and and able to land on my feet and then fast forward two years later and there's a, a huge strike with the writers and actors so that was another kind of yeah. timely challenge so I'm, I'm kind of coming in in an awkward zone of time but now that mm. that's over i feel good about the deal i i'm Feeling good about 2024, but there there were some hiccups there, just out of my control. Aside from that, I mean, you know, it's interesting from my perspective coming in in 2020, right? Because a lot of people say LA is so different before the pandemic. Uh, The industry is so different before the pandemic. Because when I was in Boston, I would go to casting director's offices and audition and do the thing. And coming to LA, you know, I've done hundreds of self-tapes and probably less than 10 in-person auditions right well, so I... it's, it's really changed the game it, you know in good ways and bad ways it's it's a pro you know i get to do it from the comfort of my home and do it as many times as i want but then i'm never meeting yeah. the cast and director and you know so there's just a lot of um, yeah. a lot of differences that come into that and and whereas other people kind of know what it was like before i have a very um you know fuzzy version of what it looked like before so kind of coming in during that new landscape was i think a learning curve where not a lot of people could tell me how it works because they didn't know how it worked so it's been a lot to kind of navigate you know luckily i feel right you know i'm on Fraser, but
0: yeah fantastic. Uh,
1: yeah and besides that I, i've really been trying to get into voiceover and I have, I have great voice reps and going on for a lot of stuff but god that's another tough market if i thought I
0: could <laughs> yeah market,
1: voiceovers even tougher
0: and stand-up comedy as well right
1: Stand-up comedy, yeah, I I I love stand-up comedy as a consumer and as a performer, but, you know, at the end of the day, the kid version of me did not want to be a stand-up comic, they wanted to be an actor, you know, like, actor's kind of day one dream, and stand-up comedy was kind of born out of being in LA for a year, didn't have any reps, didn't have any audition, didn't have any leads, didn't have any way to perform. I was just, and coming out of a, you know, a conservatory theater program where you're doing like, you know, scenes and, and acting, you know, six hours a day with the same people. And it's just so much artistic fulfillment. Um, I kind of felt like I needed some of that. I like, I wanted to write, but I couldn't produce something for the life of myself. I, I, I've written scripts, but you know, the producing part's a whole different you know, angle. Um. And I just, yeah. that was something that for me, I felt like I could write, I could go to the club and just do. There was no, I didn't need to ask for permission. I didn't need to get funding. I didn't need to get cast. It was just something that I could do. It was something I always wanted to try yes. too. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm fun. You know, it seems like something I would eventually do anyway. So I really got into it for a year and had a lot of fun. I did a couple clubs and just kind of slowed down a little and it, it my passion for it petered out and I still right. do love it. But you know, acting is what I need to do and then comedy is something I want to do. And I only, I only right. have so much like effort and time. And, you know, I, I kind of ha- like my priorities are very clear. So at a certain point it was like, if I'm not getting enough from this, then I don't want to be devoting myself to this Is well. Like comedy, like music, like acting, like, right. It's its own fucked up ladder to climb. So I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm already on a ladder. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah. Feeling committed to this ladder. That's a great ladder, yes. but not for me.
0: Fair enough. And are there any dream roles or projects that you would like to be part of in the future?
1: God, that's such a hard question because um, I, I see movies all the time where I was like, "God, I would love to be in that movie. God, I would love to play <laughs> that part." But like now, like they're gonna remake that movie in terms of like existing franchises or IP. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A part like a part of the kid in me always wanted to do like a superhero thing, but now. In recent years, I'm kind of like, ah, uh, not so much. But uh, another nerdy answer is like the Game of Thrones universe, like uh, House of Dragons. I feel like that that show has some I I was very impressed with that show, you know, especially with what they did with the end of Game of Thrones. And then, you know, oh, it's a, and I read the book. So I was very, I was excited to see what they did with it. And I was really pleased with what they did with it. So I'm I'm looking forward to season two. And I would love, I think it has legs. I would love to be on season three or four or something. But you know, big dreams besides that voiceover again is something is a market. I really want to break into, I've always loved adult animations and anime. And so, um, the idea of like voicing an iconic anime character or like comic character for me would be very, uh, cathartic or like a video game character and then, you know, my, my buddies and I are playing as my character, you know, a lot of things that would, you know, (laughs) be some childhood dreams.
0: Great. How do you balance staying true to a character versus bringing your own unique interpretation to a role?
1: I I guess I kind of touched on that earlier. Yeah. But a lot of it has to do with what just like talking to the director and the writer. In terms of the audition, I, you know, it, it depends on the genre, depends on the network, depends on the kind of the directors and like how. Depending on how descriptive the character outline is, right? So if the character outline is pretty bland and blanket, maybe I'll go with subversive. It's more just like when I'm reading it, what do I hear? What do I think? What do I? What scene do I see? And then you know, a couple of days later, I may reread it and then have a thought. Oh, I could do it this way. Blah 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 blah. All right. I wish I knew exactly. I mean, it's so case by case of like am i going to try and give them exactly what they want or am i going to try and be subversive with it and usually it just comes down to like if i have a bold idea that i think is worth doing then i'll do it uh but if not i'm not going to try and force um anything like that like i'll i'll just give them what they want um but you yeah. know i've always i've always been a big you know ad libber and improver so i um it's, it's set by set it's very different of how much they want you to do that and kind of take things matters in your own hands but um the sets i have been on where there's a lot of improv i've definitely left my mark on those characters uh that were not originally scripted that way of just i just did a feature film with some with some other young friends this this summer where my character was not really supposed to be as funny or like loudmouthy as i made him but i just felt the need to punch it up and just like they were like yeah. hey, you, can, you can improv and i was just like all right and so i was just really trying to make my friends laugh every take but they <laughs> <Game on. laughs> right exactly so well and, and the first time and the first night we shot the, at the end of the night they were like wow john good improv i was like was i improv?ing was i ad-lib-? i just didn't i was like i was just <laughs> i was just hanging out um and so after that i was like all right if you want it i'll bring it um and so somehow kind of i i that my i stumbled backwards into a comedic relief role in that which it, it's not really what that character was intended to be but sometimes it just happens like that in terms of like what they need on the day what i'm feeling and, and you know i'd rather try something if i'm comfortable with the director and then say no than, um you know just keep it to myself and then be watching it back be like oh i wish i'd have been good if i of course i'm gonna do that regardless of what happens on the screen i'm gonna be critical of my performance why'd you do that
0: what advice would you give to aspiring actors entering the industry?
1: Um, so much, so much advice. I mean, I would give that same piece of advice. If you can do anything else, do it. Uh, it's a, you know, a fucked up industry. Unless, like, if you can live doing something easier, if you can, you know, be on your deathbed and be like, you know what, maybe I did go out and try it but you know it's a lot of time and effort and commitment with very little reward it's a lot more um you know glamorous from the instagram page um yes right but like you have to love doing it like i'm sure this isn't groundbreaking stuff but don't do it for the you know the clout or the fame like do it because you love acting because if you're going to be auditioning every single day with these scripts um even if it does get frustrating at times like you you still have to have fun you know when I'm doing six hours of auditions a day and you know screaming into my voiceover mic as a you know frog prince or whatever um I have to have fun with it otherwise you know now now my passion is becoming work right really I mean you know what can I say about like agents and managers and Cast and records and all that bullshit, but really it just, like, there's so many ways to do it. There is no straight line to it, right? There's, you know, you can go the audition route. You can just try to cold call agents and managers. You can create your own stuff. You can get into sketch and improv, you can into UCB and ground. There's a lot of ways to get out there and be seen. And there's no real right way to do it. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you just gotta get out, like, you just got to get out. There. I mean, stand up was a way for me. Um, I, I have an, a, a bunch of friends who do like groundlings and um, and even theater and music and, and bands and whatnot. And uh, I mean, I, don't, I, I could ramble about this forever. Final thing I'll say is just <laughs> like, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So don't get too hard on yourself if you feel like yeah. you're not where you want to be, because you're never going to be where you want to be. And you know, if you have the choice between, I don't know, s- some people have better, uh, you know, work-life balances than me, but, um, you know, it's really easy to sprint and make yourself bitter. Uh, if you feel like I need to get a good job and then I need to audition and then I need to go to the gym and then I need, you know, it, it, If you're only going to spend three years working really hard as opposed to 10 years working mildly hard, the 10 years is going to do more. So if you're really in it for the long one, don't feel like you need to burn yourself into the ground because that's the quickest way to to get out of there because you only really you know, you only really failed when you've quit.
0: Yeah. I was just, you mentioned about the work-life balance. It's going to ask, yeah. how do you manage your work-life balance? Not very well. well. well.
1: Yeah, well, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I do personally. It, it's, it's case by case, right? You know, I'm lucky that I haven't had to work a day job in, in a couple of years. I've just kind of gone from, Acting gig to acting gig, yeah. But you know, again, it's a more frugal lifestyle than some of my other friends who are who are working full time, nine to fives, and pursuing acting. And personally, I just, that just couldn't be me, you know. And it kind of depends on the the ratio of auditions you have, because for me, you know, if I'm getting sent, this is due tomorrow at ten a.m. at six p.m. and I have a shift, it's like it's cutting into my to my career and. So I would rather just commit and live out of savings and, and and believe in myself that I am going to book something because I wouldn't you know be here if I if I wasn't. But it's it's okay. easy to get nervous um, and seek stability in a business where there is no stability. Um, right. And so I, I think it's different for everybody. I think if you have the constitution to to work a full time or part time job and audition at your full, you know, capacity. I know for me, like, I would be pooped. Like I would just the auditions wouldn't be as good. So I'm I'm doing a disservice to myself, trying to earn more money and do this at the same time. Like I'd rather just put all my eggs in one basket. And you know, that that that's not for everyone who, you know, wants to take trips to Vegas and whatnot. Uh but it really <laughs> you gotta figure out what's best for you for longevity's sake. Um you know it's hard to be you know, looking at it like okay what am I doing by December, what am I doing by February, what am I doing by April, and I'll kind of going back to the other question another piece of advice I got from an actor Tom Wright who was just in Daisy Jones and the six he plays uh, the manager, and he's a great guy and he told me but right before I moved to LA don't even look at your career until you're five years in. Um, wow. And I was like I oh, was interesting because he's like, because there's just really not enough data points to know, because you could you could book nothing in your first two years think oh I'm garbage book something in your third year think oh I'm amazing and then book some and then not book anything your fourth year book something. in your fifth and so like to have that line graph you just need a certain amount of time because this business is so slow and just takes so much time um and so you know going in and saying I'll spend a year in LA and see how it goes is kind of wasted time not to say LA isn't a fun city to spend a year but um, in terms of boots on the ground, you know, trying to build a career, you kind of have to know that you're devoting a certain amount of time to it to even know whether you have a shot at it.
0: Right. That's very good advice. What are your plans for 2024?
1: Plans for 2024 are to kick ass and book everything and be awesome. And <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean... <laughs> After 2023 and the strike and everything, I feel like the industry is ripe for um, proliferation of great content. Um, So I'm looking forward to, you know, hitting January, February hard with auditions and pilot seasons and, um, you know, just looking forward to hustling. I mean, I, I did the horror movie that I mentioned um, that shot in April 2022 um, just premiered on Halloween this year. And it's still not the distribution rights still haven't been, uh, sold in the US. So I'm look, hopefully that'll come out. It's called blue light by, Andy, uh, written and directed yeah. by Andy Sickman. um, uh, shout out. And so I'm looking forward to that coming out. That was a really great, uh, passion project, both of his, and, and just like the cast. that was a really, really fun shoot. Um, but besides that, yeah, I'm just looking forward to, uh, to more work and, uh, looking forward to, uh, yeah.